Chapter Two of Old Friends and New Fancies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. Old Friends and New Fancies. An Imaginary Sequel to the Novels of Jane Austen. By Sybil G. Brinton. Chapter Two. Lady Catherine de Burr, with her daughter and Mrs. Jenkinson, had been established in her favourite lodgings in Pulteney Street since the middle of March. It had been her custom of late years to expend six or seven weeks in Bath every spring. She had considered it to be good for her daughter's health. She also considered that her own constitution and spirits benefit greatly by this yearly change of social environment. The Rosinscard partings lacked variety, and Mr. and Mrs. Collins remained admirable listeners, but their conversation, like their civilities, occasionally wore a little thin. Lady Catherine, would she but have admitted it, thought that Mr. Collins was too much interested in his own asparagus beds and too little in her peach houses. And the ailments of the children kept Mrs. Collins at home on several evenings when it could have been convenient to the hostess at Rosings to make up a quadrille table. Obviously, the most suitable spot in which Lady Catherine and her daughter could have sought change of air could have been the residence of her nephew but darcy and elizabeth had very early in their married life made it clear that they did not intend their house to be turned into a hydropathic establishment for their ailing relatives and that they would entertain their visitors at such times and for as long as they chose consequently lady catherine had been reduced to the expedient of going to bath in the season and to pemberley when she was asked she however reserved to herself the right of insisting that her relatives should visit her at bath and darcy who wished to give no occasion of offence to his mother's only sister was in the habit of taking his wife and sister down there every spring for a short stay at one of the hotels thus forming among themselves a pleasant and independent little party which was usually joined by colonel fitzwilliam this year lady catherine having been there for some weeks previously had been collecting round her a circle of acquaintances some more and some less likely to be congenial to the relatives whose visit was pending elizabeth said mr darcy to his wife as they stood together in lady catherine's drawing-room at a large reception which she was giving in their honour two days after their arrival i think i see general tilney over there and unless my memory is failing me surely this is his daughter coming towards us whom we made friends with last year why so it is what a delightful surprise exclaimed elizabeth dear lady portinscale how glad i am to see you again 
Do not say you have forgotten me, or I shall find it hard to forgive you. No, indeed, Mrs. Darcy, I was coming to introduce myself, in fear that you might have forgotten me. How do you do, Mr. Darcy? Lady Catherine told me that she was expecting the whole party from Pemberley this week. Yes, we have come to put in our period of attendance, as you see, said Elizabeth, but I never dreamed of anything so pleasant as meeting you again after what you said last year. The truth is that my father has not been at all well, and as he felt himself obliged to come here for a short time, he begged us to join him for two or three weeks. Your husband is here this evening? Yes, he is in the next room. I see him talking to Colonel Fitzwilliam. And are your brother and his pretty wife in Bath this spring? I remember her so well. No, they are at home, but we have a brother of hers staying with us, James Morland. He has a curacy in a very unhealthy part of the Thames Valley, and he has been extremely ill with a low fever, so we have brought him here for a fortnight in the hope that it will do him good. How very kind of you to take care of him. He's fortunate to have such friends. Oh, no, it is a very small thing, and he is such an excellent young fellow, sensible and agreeable and so hard-working. My husband has the highest opinion of him, and were he less amiable, it would be a pleasure to be of service to anyone connected with Catherine. You oblige me to repeat that anyone who has you for his or her advocate is indeed fortunate, Lady Portinscale, answered Elizabeth, smiling. But now that you know your character, pray perform the same kind office for some of the people here they are nearly all strangers to me and if my husband were not listening i should say that i wonder how my aunt manages to pick them up lady portinsky will soon gauge your character elizabeth if you make such terrible outspoken comments said darcy smiling you must not mind her lady Portinscale. My aunt's presence has a demoralizing effect upon my wife. It is a very sad thing, but I have often remarked it. Not her presence in the ordinary way, said Elizabeth. But today we have been through such a stormy scene together that I may be excused for feeling that my aunt and I must go diametrically opposite ways for the rest of our lives. Really? said Eleanor Portinscale with the faintest suspicion of laughter in her eyes. Poor Lady Catherine, I recollect last year that you and your sister-in-law were continually brewing some kind of rebellious mischief against her. That is just the cause of the trouble now, responded Elizabeth. My sister-in-law became engaged to Colonel Fitzwilliam last November, but I saw that they were both so extremely unhappy in their engagement that I was instrumental in breaking it off. And this happened only last week. So that is why Robert Fitzwilliam is looking ten years younger. Georgiana is sheltering safely at home, and Lady Catherine is furiously angry with everyone all around, especially with me. I am sorry, said Lady Portinscale with gentle sympathy. 
these things cannot be done without regrets and heartburnings i hope it will mean real happiness for they both in the end one has to take that part of it on trust was elizabeth answered in the meantime it has upset my husband dreadfully and i am afraid he will never be quite reconciled to it until he sees georgiana happily married to somebody who has at present not appeared on the scene i suppose she felt altogether disinclined to coming with you to bath else she might have met friends here who could have distracted her thoughts yes but of course she would not come and i could hardly persuade her even to accept an invitation to go and stay with my sister jane for part of the time that we shall be away we left her in such terrible low spirits that it is really some consolation to see colonel fitzwilliam looking as if a weight had been taken off his mind it would be a sad pity that we should all have got into hot water with lady catherine and nobody be a penny the better for it lady portinscale smiled he is a very handsome man and extraordinarily young looking he is nearly forty is he not yes one would not suspect him of it there is captain wentworth talking to him now they seem to come here every year mrs wentworth and georgiana became rather friendly and they correspond but those relatives of hers are impossible why what is going on lady catherine seems to be carrying off coronel fitzwilliam poor man he was in such a congenial group whom can she be introducing him to they are people i never saw before i do not know them myself but i have several times seen them with lady catherine replied lady portinscale they are called ferrars at least one of them is mrs ferrars i am not sure which the persons who had attracted elizabeth's attention were three in number the two ladies somewhat resembled one another being rather thin small in stature and very elaborately dressed in the height of the fashion one of them might have been considered pretty but for her sharp almost shrewish features restless eyes and the discontented irritable lines which had formed themselves in her face the other had these characteristics in a more marked degree together with a general air of much less refinement and sense it was not to be expected that lucy and anne still could have altered very greatly for the better since the empty-headed and overdressed fop who now accompanied them had exalted lucy to the honour of becoming mrs robert ferrars after four years of family quarrels with mrs ferrars and mrs john dashwood of spending more than her husband's income of scheming to obtain anne a husband of striving to push herself into fashionable society and to hold her own there she found her only happiness in visits to gay watering places where she could pick up new acquaintances and in their company forget for a time the incessant worries and vexations of her home life 
Anne spent the greater part of the year with her sister and brother-in-law, occasionally diversifying her program by a visit from Mrs. Jennings or to Eleanor and Edward Ferrars. When out of kindness to Lucy, they would consent to receive her for a time. But these visits of Anne's to the rectory at Delaford were a trial to all concerned, and since, on the death of Colonel Brandon, Edward had effected an exchange of livings with a clergyman in Derbyshire, Eleanor ventured to hope that Anne would no longer find it a convenience to stay with persons who resided in such an out-of-the-way part of the country. For the present, both Lucy and Anne were quite satisfied with their surroundings. They had had the good fortune to become known to Lady Catherine de Bourgh, and by the exercise of all the tact, flattery, and obliging manners at their command had rendered themselves indispensable at whatever entertainments she gave, large or small, and were being treated by her with such marked graciousness as to rouse their hopes of receiving an invitation to Rosings, a mansion of the glories of which they had heard much, as had all Lady Catherine's friends. The introduction on this evening to such a handsome, soldierly, and aristocratic-looking man as Colonel Fitzwilliam was a piece of good luck which exceeded Anne Wilde's dreams, and although as soon as the proper civilities had been exchanged he seized the first opportunity of returning to his men friends and lost no time in confiding to lucy her extreme satisfaction at the addition of such a very smart view to lady catherine's party don't be a fool nancy was lucy's answer in somewhat discouraging tones what is the good of expecting a man like that to look at you and besides, isn't he engaged to Mr. Darcy's sister? No, Anne answered eagerly. The engagement's broke off. Mr. Bird told me so today, and fancy Lady Catherine introducing him to us at once. She must want us to be all friends together, mustn't she? Well, it is likely you'll go and spoil it in some way. You never got the doctor for all his attention. Lucy responded with true sisterly candor, and I expect we'll find we don't see much of Colonel Fitzwilliam. He's staying at the hotel with the Darcys, and from the look of Mrs. Darcy, I don't know as she'll want to do just what Lady Catherine tells her all day long. I shall go and sit by Miss Devore, said Nancy, after a moment's contemplation of this dismal prospect and perhaps lady catherine will introduce me to the darcys you'd better come too lucy we can't get along without knowing them now lucy consented after some demur and in the course of the evening their hopes of an introduction were realized and their self-importance greatly increased for mrs darcy curious to ascertain what kind of hangers-on had found places in her aunt's cottage this year, had conversed for a short time with them both, and with the prudence and consideration which was characteristic of her, had refrained from expressing to her husband 
the full extent of the unfavorable impression which they created i don't much care for those new friends of my aunt's darcy remarked to his wife when they reached home why my dear you were not even introduced to them exclaimed elizabeth robert i noticed did not escape but you did besides they are related to the ferrars at home there is not getting away from that i gathered that they were but i can't hardly believe it that man brother to edward ferrars i heard him trying to argue with robert about nelson's tactics at the battle of the nile and it was enough for me i have heard far sounder sense talked at a tenant's dinner at the end of one too fitzwilliam and elizabeth laughed his views upon life in general appear to suffer somewhat from lack of breath said the former and i can imagine it would be possible to find him a tedious companion as for the ladies of the party i did not have much conversation with them i think the look of them rather frightened robert said elizabeth but on the whole they are tolerably unobjectionable after all one can't always pick and choose at a place like that and anyhow we must be civil to aunt catherine's friends it is not for very long i am really going to practice what i preach so you don't need to look at me like that mr darcy the following evening the whole party met again at a concert in aid of a charity which had been patronized by lady catherine to the extent of several pounds worth of tickets the morning had been spent by the darcys and fitzwilliam in their own occupations but they had been obliged to dine with their aunt and to meet at dinner the robert ferrars with miss anne Steele, general tilney lady portinscale's father his son frederick made up the requisite number of gentlemen and elizabeth found much to divert her in watching during dinner the manoeuvres of miss Steele, who seated between the two bachelors was fully occupied in efforts to make herself equally and incessantly agreeable to both of them the dire failure of which might have aroused some compassion had she not been so completely self-satisfied and confident captain tilney certainly kept up the conversation in the style that was expected of him as long as he could and then turned to miss de bourg and devoted himself to her having been informed by his father that she was a considerable heiress and his attentions to her must be regulated accordingly colonel fitzwilliam for his part found three-cornered discussion carried on with great animation between himself his aunt and general tilney who sat opposite on the military genius of the french generals considerably more interesting than mrs Steele's observation on the bad assemblies and her openly expressed predilection in favour of officers as partners elizabeth and her husband were no better off in their respective companions the inanities of robert ferrars and the pretensions of his wife 
were calculated to put a severe strain on the good intentions of lady catherine's niece and nephew towards her guests how elegantly lady catherine's dinners parties are always carried out remarked lucy to mr darcy in a kind of loud aside as they unfolded their napkins she seems to be one of those fortunate persons who always manage to have everything about them as recherche as it is at home wherever they may be staying don't you think so mr darcy no one else could have made this apartment what it is but with lady catherine's delightful appointments you could are they say easily imagine yourself to be in one of the smaller dining parlours at rosin's could you not mr darcy was rather taken aback by this speech and hastily making a mental review of his aunt's usual visitors failed entirely to connect mrs robert ferrars with the dining parlour or any other room at rosin's so his reply was not very satisfactory to his questioner it seems a pleasant and convenient room my aunt i believe generally takes these lodgings and when she settles down in a place for a few weeks naturally likes to make it comfortable oh but i think it is a special gift of dear lady catherine's exclaimed lucy you cannot deny it mr darcy knowing rosings as you do now at our lodgings well i dare say the rooms are very little smaller than these but try as i will i cannot give them a home-like air though i assure you i brought two large packing-cases of dainty trifles from our country house indeed said darcy yes but the lavish refinement combined with substantial comfort of lady catherine's surroundings always appeals to me so strongly when i come here i am sure you understand what i mean mr darcy with a home like pemberley as a standard to judge other people's houses by i had not regarded bad lodgings from that point of view said mr darcy are you making a long stay here may i ask yes we have to remain for some weeks i always enjoy bath so much at this time of the year and so does mr ferrars i consider it infinitely preferable to the autumn season do not you mr darcy all the best people seem to come now and one is not likely to meet any one whose acquaintance one would not wish to continue afterwards mr darcy took advantage of this pause during which his companion helped herself to fish to consider what reply he should truthfully make to such a sentiment but before mrs ferrars could insist upon his agreeing with her he was called upon by his aunt from the end of the table to support her in a flat contradiction of general tilney who was undoubtedly getting the best of a somewhat heated argument elizabeth was not more fortunate in her companion the wearisome descriptions of this or that friend's house habits achievements which were all that robert ferrars could contribute to the conversation were almost more than could be endured with patience throughout a long dinner 
even by one who could derive quiet amusement from almost any kind of harmless absurdity and it was with a sigh of relief that elizabeth heard her aunt's peremptory command that every one should go and put on their coats and cloaks for she would not have their party arrive late for the beginning of the concert the ladies were distributed among various coaches while the gentlemen walked on elizabeth found that her companions were to be her cousin and miss anne Steele, and during the drive she had leisure to remark with great astonishment the evident intimacy which existed between the young women anne tried to draw her into their discussions but finding mrs darcy resolutely silent she turned to miss de bourgh and began to rally her on the becomingness of the gown which the latter was wearing accompanying her remarks with many giggles mysterious whispers and covert reference to favourite colour and smart uniforms which made elizabeth wonder that her cousin could tolerate such treatment for an instant but poor anne de bourgh's nature only half developed by reason of her ill health and her mother's forcefulness of character had yielded entirely to the dominated influence exercised over her by a person nearer her own age and one who made an effort to understand and play upon her weakness elizabeth soon began to perceive the secret of the intimacy mrs Steele, in her anxiety to recommend herself to the poor family had discovered that by enlivening and flattering the daughter she might best become a person of value to the mother anne Steele's last words before the carriage stopped were intended to be inaudible to elizabeth and put the final touch to her disgust and dislike me and lucy will be so miserable if you give us up now these grand cousins of yours are come down miss anne miss de bourgh made what was for her a vehement motion of dissent and when they had entered the room elizabeth having piloted her charges to lady catherine's side found a seat for herself as far as possible from any one connected with the steel family her husband joined her just before the concert began and in the double pleasure of listening to the music and feeling his proximity she forgot the previous vexations of the evening well how have you been getting on inquired a voice behind her in the first pause why fitzwilliam exclaimed darcy glancing around what business have you up at this end you ought to be squaring the young ladies down there by my aunt poor robert said elizabeth he's only off duty for half an hour that is it replied colonel fitzwilliam i was exhausted and seeing this empty chair i forthwith occupied it besides i want to hear the harp solo in peace and quiet i have not heard the harp played for years and i am exceedingly fond of it that is the next one i see hush now i know this mine is going to sink out of tune he looks like it we ought to have some compensation for listening to that murmured darcy when the song was done 
I believe Mr. Collins would have given us a better performance. He certainly is rather like Mr. Collins, remarked Elizabeth reflectively. Here comes the harp. And what a lovely girl! Is her name on the program? Yes, Miss Crawford. Mary Crawford, who since Dr. Grant's death had entirely lived with her sister, Mrs. Grant, at Bath, had lost none of the beauty and charm which had captivated the heart of Edmund Bertram. Indeed, the four years which had elapsed since then have given her form and air more regal elegance. The knowledge of sorrow and regret that she had so much to endure her own chances of happiness had softened her nature and now more gentle womanly and sympathetic she was in many ways a different creature from the brilliant miss crawford of former days mrs grant while loving her devotedly and rejoicing in her companionship still grieved in secret that no suitor worthy of her dear mary should ever have succeeded edmund bertram and that no second attachment should have taken place of one which though renounced without bitterness had nevertheless left a deep mark upon her sister's character in bath their lives were full of interest and they made many friends but mary always laughed at her sister's plans for her marrying and returned the same kind of answer i expect so much you know and the chosen he must expect so little that i doubt whether we should ever come to terms her sister would protest against this knowing well the real worth of the disposition which mary hid under a careless and sometimes cold manner but she also knew that mary would be more difficult to satisfy both as regards her own qualities and those of her possible husband in consequence of the better taste she had acquired at mansfield this evening miss crawford who had consented to perform solely on account of the charitable object of the concert was out of humour with herself and all the world her sister being unwell she had been obliged to accept an escort to the concert the company of sir walter and miss elliot whom as residents in bath she had known since the time of her sister's settling there Miss Crawford's beauty of face and figure were exactly what would recommend Sir Walter, and while condemning her sister as dull and unfashionable, nothing delighted him more than to be seen in public as a squire of the charming and elegant Miss Crawford. Six months' acquaintance had caused her on her side thoroughly to weary of him, and on the few occasions when she could not avoid a meeting, she endeavoured to converse with his eldest daughter whom she found only a degree less tiresome and empty-headed to-night however there was no help for it with them she had come with them she must remain unluckily placed at a distance from any of her other bad friends her enjoyment of the music spoiled by her companions irrelevant chatter her only pleasure to acquit herself creditably 
in the piece she had chosen to play. This, at all events, was in her power. She felt, as she ascended the platform and shook off sensations of listlessness and ennui, and she succeeded so well that the audience were roused to a display of their delight and enthusiasm, and she had to return twice to acknowledge their plaudits. Next moment she perceived, or thought she perceived, that owing to an increased crowd in the lower part of the room, she could not easily get back to her seat without making a little disturbance, so she slipped into a chair in the front row, which was allotted to the performers, thankful even for a short respite. When the interval came, she remained where she was, and a few minutes later, seeing the gentleman who had been the chief promoter of the concert trying to attract her attention she rose unwillingly supposing that sir walter elliot had come to claim her what was her surprise to hear mr durand say lady catherine de bourg particularly wishes to know you may i present you to her mary felt that she had not had much choice in the matter but she found herself courtesying to a tall and formidable-looking elderly lady dressed in rich brocades who surveyed her as it from a great height and said allow me to tell you miss crawford how much pleased i was with your late performance on the harp i have heard every harp player of note in europe during the last forty years and i may say i consider you quite equal to those of the second rank though not a performer myself i am quite acquainted with the difficulties of the instrument mary hardly knew whether to be more vexed or amused at this extraordinary address and might have been inclined towards the former had not mrs darcy who had seen the beginning of the incident and hastened forwards lest her aunt's insolent patronage should offend interposed with a kindly we have all been enjoying your piece so much it must be delightful to be able to play like that my aunt is such a lover of music that she cannot hide her enthusiasm and why should i hide it may i ask demanded lady catherine my judgment has often been of great service to young amateurs among whom you might include yourself elizabeth yes i know replied elizabeth good-humouredly but miss crawford cannot be classed with the average amateur may i introduce myself as mr durand has gone away i am mrs darcy i saw you sitting with the elliots so perhaps you know a great friend of mine mrs wentworth miss crawford was about to enter gladly into the subject of mrs wentworth when lady catherine interposed and in a few minutes before mary had quite realized what was happening she found herself giving the assurance that mrs grant would be delighted to receive a visit from lady catherine and mrs darcy and that she herself would be present at lady catherine's reception in pulteney street in a fortnight's time she hardly knew how it had all come about and she found herself wondering as she was led back to her seat by sir walter elliot whether it was lady catherine's domineering manner or mrs darcy's kind looks 
that she had yielded to so easily. The Elliots were eager with their questions. What? She did not know that that was Lady Catherine's de Bourgh? Everyone knew Lady Catherine. She came to Bath every year. A very well-preserved old lady. Must be quite sixty and does not look more than forty-eight. People of property. Large estate in Kent. An acquaintance quite worth following up, my dear Miss Crawford. Of course, we, with our already large circle of friends, could not attempt to include persons who only come here for a short time. Otherwise, we should have been very happy to have visited Lady Catherine. End of chapter 2 Recording by Gabby Cowan